With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from the world famous Sunset Gower Studios in Hollywood. The best of a generation has arrived. Stories that matter and people who are making a difference. This is the Millennial Report. From the trending desk, here's Wade. Welcome to the Millennial Report. I'm Houston Culture columnist Wade Heath. And on today's broadcast, we're going to learn to be better with Darius Farreau, author of the book Massive Life Success. He'll be here to discuss how it sucks to fail and how you deal with failure. It makes it more important than ever to know how to deal with it and get past it. Later, we take a look at what went wrong with media giant Comcast as they tried to celebrate themselves by being decent one day out of the year and how millennials reacted to such a thing. Don't worry, because after that, writer Todd Bryson is here to talk about your ability to fit in or not fitting in, also known as the story of my life. So he'll be coming up in just a bit. And we finish out today's broadcast by taking a look back at one of the greatest years on record, 1999. Mm. I feel it. Welcome to the show. You know, you're probably wondering, what the heck is the Millennial Report? What what, what are you doing here? You should probably be asking yourself, what is a millennial? Even millennials don't know that they're millennials. You, You use that term now and people get very uncomfortable. Let me tell you, you are a millennial if you were born anytime between the early 1980s and the early 2000s. That is what a millennial is considered to be. So if you're a millennial, and if you're not a millennial, thank you for being a part of the broadcast, but if you're a millennial, then you know that you have a pretty bad rap, right? Critics look at millennials as just a, 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 an awful representation of what it means to be a human today. Um, millennials have a, an, an unfortunate stigma to them. It upsets me because we just surpassed every other demographic as the largest living generation. So bigger than boomers, bigger than Gen X, we are now the largest living group on the face of the planet, which means we now have more power and influence than anybody else, or we should. We're being looked at in a a very negative light, and that's really unfortunate because while I know I have looked at who we are um, with a critical eye before, I had to remind myself that being critical of who we are, um, I, it might make us better, but we are so extraordinary. We are continued, we, we, we continue to be looked at as though we are, are self-absorbed, are narcissistic, are material-driven, 
There are people like that, yes. But there are people like that in every generation. We're better than that. And while the critics continue to blast us as though that's who we are, I know we're better. Because I have met millennials that are better. I've met people within this generation that just want to make a difference. And that's what this show really is about. Trying to make a difference. Trying to be better. I wanted to make sure that there was a voice for millennials, which is why I got together with the Universal Broadcasting Network and, and we're bringing this show to you. I wanted to make sure that the, the control of this show, that the, the editorial content, that things that are brought to you have very little filters. Not, not tiny filters, but have, have few filters. And that you are given a chance to show who you are. Now, I am no example. Please don't look to me for guidance. I'm just hosting this thing. I am trying to figure this out just as much as you are. How do I be better every day? What is it that I need to do to accomplish that? That's what's important. So don't look at me like I'm someone that should be put on a pedestal. I'm not. I'm here alongside you, trying to figure this out just as much as you are. So join me as we continue down this road, because if you look around, you'll realize how bad things are. We are about to inherit a complete mess. Now the largest living generation, we, we've got it. It's election day here in California, and the political climate in America is awful. People are upset. The world is in chaos. Here's why I think it's important that you have a voice and why this show should be in existence. It's because of a book that I read called The Fourth Turning. Now, this book, it was published in 1997 by authors Neil Howe and William Strauss. It identifies a reoccurring generational cycle. And it looks at American history. And it takes a look at how that generational cycle repeats itself through history. It's about over the span of, of a course of 80 years or so. And every time this cycle repeats, there's a major crisis. This book is very compelling, and it's based on legit data. The fourth turning is what it's called. I, I would advise you to check it out. It helps you to understand that the crisis we are about to face is going to be huge. The last major crisis we had, according to this book, was World War II. Now, again, it was written in 1997, so some people might say, well, what about 9-11? What about uh, the market crash in 2008? Those were terrible events and certainly uh, a crisis in their own right. However, I don't think that was it. I'm basing this on nothing more than a feeling, but I do feel that there's a bigger crisis ahead and that as millennials, it's going to be up to us. Now, we are going to have to figure out a way through this. It's going to fall on our lap. These authors, they wrote that whatever this generation is going to be called, and they didn't know because it was 97, that we would be called millennials. They said whatever this generation ends up becoming, they will be, and this is their words, the hero generation. They will be the people 
that will step in and save the day. To me, that's an awful lot of responsibility. It is up to us to save the day. Well, how do we do that? We got to be better than who we were yesterday. We have to make a difference. We have to change the way we approach others. We have to be kind-hearted. We have to give up ourselves. We can be damn funny along the way, but we certainly cannot just let this go. These authors indicate that we are the hero generation. I completely believe that. And that is what the Millennial Report is all about. So join me on Tuesdays as we come together to figure out this mess and to save people, to help others, and to be the heroes that the world needs. So part of becoming heroes, we got to be better, right? We certainly do. So I would like us to learn how to be better by kicking things off immediately with our first guest. Darius Ferro is author of the book Massive Life Success, and he joins us now to talk about failure and how the heck you deal with it. Darius, welcome to the Millennial Report. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you with us, sir. Tell me, we're talking failure now and how to be better because of it. Look, I am kind of a walking failure. I look back at all the things that I, I've messed up on in my life, all the things that I've, I've done wrong. Um, right now, millennials are dealing with a lot of failure, right? They're, they're dealing with things like uh, having to move back in with mom and dad when they never thought they'd have to move home. They're dealing with things like uh, massive student loan debt. They're dealing with things like everybody's got a degree, but nobody's got a job to go to. How do we overcome failure? How, how do we not let it define us? Well, it's funny that, that you said um, that you're a walking failure. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel the same because when I look at my own failure, there's like this super long list of things that I've tried in the past and that, that I failed. And like you said, it's something that we learn from and get better from. But I found that there's a difference between saying that you're failing, you know, like you often hear people saying fail fast mm -hmm. and the lessons that we draw from them, right? Because to be honest, failing never feels feels good. It's the worst feeling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's the, the key uh, I've learned is when you, when you deal with failure, there's two things you can do. You can either say, oh, I don't like this feeling. It's a bad feeling. It makes me depressed or, you know, it makes me sad and I don't want to do this anymore. And you give up. Or you say, oh, this is actually the beginning of something else. So the, the choice is really up to us. So what would you say then, or some of your failures, some of the things that, that you have just fallen flat on, and, um, and how have you rebounded? Put this into context for us so, so we can understand how to get back up. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, I recently wrote an article about this, and I listed some of the um, things that made me laugh afterwards. But when I was you know, in the moment, it felt really bad, because a few years ago, I had plans to open a coffee shop. Hmm. And I was really passionate about it. I've been passionate about coffee for all my life. And 
I had this idea to start a, you know, uh, a, a great coffee shop by serving, you know, beans from, you know, farmers that are, you know, legit and this whole story. So I had I had a business plan, I had everything, but I just couldn't get the money. And I was so close. I worked for on it for six months, and I worked on the plans. I had everything. I had a location. I just couldn't get the money, and everything fell 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 through. So, you know, what do you do? So I had to regroup and just go on. And and in the end, I I'm on a, a completely different path. But when I look at look at it look back at my failure, I think you know all of those things, and especially. You know, trying to start a business and didn't fail, uh, and I failed, uh, taught me all kinds of other lessons about doing business and starting a starting a, 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 a coffee shop, taught me things that I apply now to my writing, uh, for example, because I was already focused on doing the marketing of the coffee shop, right? So I learned a lot of skills that I can use now. And that's how how I look at failure now is not like, a waste of time because that's that's really painful when you look look back and you feel like you waste a lot of time but if you try to look at it from another point of view say look I, I learned these type of skills and I can use them now in, a, in another place so that's how I've uh, dealt with failure uh, over the past years and it has been a long process for me to learn and that's great that you turn it into a positive and, and you look at it as, well, these are now lessons for me. This is how this is how I get better. I like that. But you say in the article, you say, we're often too quick to judge ourselves. How, how do you not? I mean, in that sort of situation, you crash and burn. Uh, you, you feel terrible. You know, you, you were excited. You were trying to, you know get a coffee shop off the ground, that you had a passion for it, and then you, you took a tumble. How do you not judge yourself in that situation? It seems to me like that's something you would, you would immediately judge yourself for and say, I, there, I need to do something different here. I, I, I need to change, and I'm, I'm a failure, I'm terrible. And then, like you said, you go into a depression. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is, it is the, really difficult. I don't think there's a, you know, a straightforward answer to that question because it is, it is a struggle, right? I don't think we can just you know fail and then the next day pick ourselves up and just pretend like nothing happened so i think uh, a part of the process is absorbing the damage mm -hmm. and i don't think there's anything wrong with uh, feeling bad or feeling depressed about uh, a, a a thing that you've failed however there's a difference between staying in that state of mind and actually saying, look, you know, it's time for me to move on now. So th those are two very different things to me. You know, will you give up or will you say, I'm, I'm just going to continue and not give up? So when you get to that point of, of not giving up, what does that all lead to? So, so you, you, you say, I'm going to make the best of this. I'm going to challenge myself to overcome it all. Where does it take you? Where do you go? Well, I think ultimately, and, and, and I wrote this in the article as well, it, it sounds really corny, right? It, uh, everything leads to your destiny. That's what I really believe. Oh, how cliche. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it is corny, but as Steve Jobs said as well, right? You can only connect the dots looking backward, right? So it is easy for us now to look back and say, oh, I made all of these wrong decisions, for example, or I failed 
and it all led me to where I am now. But when you're in the moment, it's different. However, we just have to keep, you know, faith and understand that, you know, life is a process. And if you keep keep on go- moving forward, and that's the key, just keep on moving forward. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you take giant leaps or tiny steps. I think the key for me was keep moving forward. And in the end, you know, you you'll you'll uh, end up in your destiny. And what I wrote about in the article as well is that uh, I, I the the a great definition of um, destiny is from uh, the uh, philosopher Heraclitus, and he said that character is destiny. Mm. And by failing, and I and, and I'm not the only one. And you talked about it as well. And a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs, they also said that they. Their failure made them who they are. So I think it really reveals your character as well by failing. You, you mentioned, um, you know, you keep moving forward. That's one of my favorite quotes. It's by Walt Disney. You know, keep moving forward. It played mm-hmm. that quote played a very big part in my life to push me into sort of the next realm and, and the next part of my life experience. Um, but I, what I love back to the article is what you said here. Uh, when I look back now, I get it. I'm even happy. I made those moves and failed miserably. It brought me to where I am now. Um, how do you, how do you harness such optimism? I think it's all a matter of perspective because I could also look back and say, "Oh man, you know, I wasted a lot of money," and this is the truth. I'm not just you know exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I honestly wasted a lot of money on business ventures. Uh, I also wrote about uh, a, a few years ago. I started. <laughs> it's kind of funny when I think about it. Mm. I wanted to start a, a, a men's uh, accessories label by, you know, selling pocket squares and ties and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I actually bought like a whole shipment and I, I had designed oh, no. it from, from China. Yeah. But like it never, I, I never, when I got the whole, the products, it, it just was worthless, you know. <laughs> so I lost a lot of money and yeah. I lost a lot of time, which is, I think, even more important. So I could easily look back and say, "Oh, look, man, I'm 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 a huge failure, and I I wasted all of my time and money." But I decide not to, and that's also something that I've learned from a Stoic philosophy, is that we have the we have the greatest gift in our possession is that's the ability to decide, and we can either decide that something's you know a uh, a lot. Um, something that's a waste of our time and money and that we are a failure or we can decide that it was all part of the process and that it was that it was meant to be so i think that's that has been the key for me just the ability to decide and not being afraid to say you know this is how i interpret it this is my perspective and right now it's just uh, uh, important for me to move on and I appreciate that insight because I think uh, that will help a lot of people um, sort of get beyond the depression mode of failure. I think that's really your first step is to is to tumble and fall and feel burned. Um, I, I appreciate all of the insight. I appreciate the um, uh, uh, words of wisdom from you, sir. Um, it it <laughs> well, means a lot. That I've learned, right? <laughs> May I, yes. Uh, so tell me, if, if millennials, our, our, our squad, wanted to get in touch with you, what would they do? Where would they go? So, yeah, the best way to get in touch, my, my last name is a little bit difficult, just uh, Google Darius, mm-hmm. uh, F-O-R, 
and then my name pops up Faru. Faru. Yeah, and uh, there you the first link is my website, and you know that's where I publish all my articles and you know connect with everyone uh, with with readers. So fantastic! We've got uh, your information up on the screen as well. Uh, also, your correct spelling. So no need to worry <laughs> okay. about that. You are in luck. <laughs> Uh, Darius Faru, thank you for your time today and for joining us on the Millennial Report. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, today we share a segment that is important to my heart. Major media company Comcast decided to celebrate itself for doing good one day out of the year, and millennials responded in mass because we got a tool called social media. That segment, when we return here on the Millennial Report. Stick with us. and more to fill your life with additional distractions, check us out at MillennialLive.com. So it is time for social destruction. Let's jump in. There always seems to be something trending nowadays, and when we see an item at the top of the charts, we go digging just to find out why the heck it's there in the first place. It is perhaps the most fulfilling thing, though, when we come to find that an item is trending for all the wrong reasons. That's when we gather it up and share it with you. It is time for Social Destruction. On today's Social Destruction, it is all about... Comcast Cares Day. The hashtag Comcast Cares Day was launched to coincide with the day of the same name in which the Comcast Corporation, their affiliated companies, and employees went out into the communities that they work in to serve. They built playgrounds, they fed the homeless, and they made sure that senior centers were well taken care of. It was a kind and noble gesture by the Comcast Corporation, so much so that they celebrated themselves with the hashtag Comcast Cares Day. So what could be wrong with that? Well, one needs look no further than Twitter. Because Twitter was boiling over with rage. We share with you now some of the highlights from Comcast Cares Day and the way in which that hashtag was noticed by people. For example, this first tweet said, we can win the drug war by legalizing all drugs and then require all drugs be purchased through Comcast customer service. Alfred said, Maybe if they spread it over the course of the year, we'd have affordable and reliable internet service. Shaylin Thomas said, and of course I'm out of town on Comcast Cares Day, so I'm missing the one day of the year my internet might not be terrible. Michael Finkel said, Comcast Cares Day, caring one day a year 
doesn't count. At Van Torture says, on Comcast Cares Day, important to remember that one huge monopolistic octopus is better than lots of mom and pops that provide good service. Continuing with the next tweet, it says, In honor of Comcast Cares Day, I will be caring about something between the hours of 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, please be home. Alexis says, Maybe Comcast should extend Comcast Cares Day so they actually care the other 364 days of the year? The following tweet said, Comcast Cares Day. Probably the worst understanding of how social media will help a company jab themselves in the eye with a sharp stick. Claire said, in honor of Comcast Cares Day, I'm also going to put everyone who calls me on hold for 20 minutes and then eventually just hang up. John in Seattle says, Comcast Cares Day. Unless you're an existing customer, of course, you know what I'm saying. And Don Spadell says, Comcast Cares Day? When's that? Jantober 48th? Alex Mendez says, You know, it's sad and funny when the only positive tweets about Comcast Cares Day are from the companies owned by Comcast. The professor said, If Comcast did care, they would refund a dollar off your bill for every minute you were on hold with them. Nicholas says, Ah, uh, what can we do to boost our PR? <laughs> I've got it. Start Comcast Cares Day. Yeah, that won't blow up in our faces. And Gregor Mendel says, You gotta show someone you care. That's why you bill them for the three weeks their cable was out due to a hurricane. Here's the thing, Comcast. I know what you were trying to do was decent. But the real issue lies in all of these responses. Your customers are telling you that you lack heart. You don't care anymore. So much so that you're out there trying to support and do things for other people when your own customers feel betrayed and hurt. Explain to me how that's okay with you. As the CEO of Comcast, don't tell me that guy looks at his company and thinks, I know I'm making record profits, but we don't have a PR problem. Not after Comcast Cares Day. There's absolutely no way. See, this is the biggest thing, Comcast. You're a joke. Seriously, a joke. There are memes pages of them about you. You are relentlessly mocked for how awful you have become. And it's not like people can even run from you either. That's another big problem. You have become one of the biggest media companies in the world. You keep buying other media companies. So even when people think they've gotten away from you, there you are again. And perhaps that's why you really don't give a damn anymore. You've shrugged your shoulders and said, well, yeah, no, we're the only option. Wish we could help. Thanks. You are exactly why my generation cannot stand most big businesses. This is the crony capitalism, the 
ridiculous, over-the-top, I-don't-care-about-the-little-guy attitude that is turning so many people in my demographic against you. I don't think there's a problem with capitalism if it's done the right way. You provide a quality product. You provide good service. Competition, that is what we need. But when you don't have a product, that's up half the time. When your service sucks, and when you buy up the competition, what is that? That's not winning to me. That's you becoming the biggest bully in the yard. Out of pure curiosity, I typed in I hate Comcast into the Google search bar. And do you know what I found? 438,000 results. The top being an I hate Comcast dedicated Facebook page. The second being seven reasons Comcast is the most hated company in America. If you work for the Comcast Corporation, you cannot be proud. There's no way. What's a real bummer here is that after all of this bad press that Comcast has received and continues to receive, but specifically on Comcast Cares Day where they were doing something really sincere and it blew up in their face, I know what they'll do. It's what they always do. They point at everyone else and say, what's wrong with those people? When in reality, they should be looking in the mirror to realize that the problem lies within. Because if you think Comcast Cares Day was a success and that people like what you do, then go home, Comcast. You're drunk. Have something that you've seen socially destroyed, want us to share it, or uh, just a topic you'd like us to discuss on this segment? Just use the hashtag socialfail. That's S-O-C-I-A-L-F-A-I-L. This has been Social Destruction on the Millennial Report. Welcome back. Our next guest uh, is a guy that I hope does not work for Comcast at all. That would be terrible. Um, but he, he's, a, he's a gentleman that wrote something that uh, absolutely I identify with. You know what? His name is Todd Bryson. He's here with us. I, I believe he's in Arizona today. And he is talking about what it's like not to fit in and how do you survive such a thing. He's preaching to the choir here. Todd, thanks for joining us on the Millennial Report. No problem. Happy to be here. Absolutely. You don't work for Comcast, right? No, no. You're good. You're oh, safe. wonderful. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a fun segment to do. Believe me. It's a Comcast Cares Day uh, happened in April, and and the internet blew up in rage um, because they seem to care about everybody but their customers, and so their customers let them have it. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about you, sir, and the ultimate survival guide to not fitting in. Tell me first. Since you don't fit in and I don't fit in, and right now we're talking about it, do we, in essence, fit in? Is that what's happening? Right. Is that normal? I I think so. If you read through the whole article and you get to the end, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the loop that we go in. I I had 
friends way back in the day, right, that, that they were anarchists. They didn't fit in with anybody, and they wore black T-shirts and listened to heavy metal and hung out with friends who all wore black T-shirts and listened to heavy metal, right? So I, I, I think even in our not fitting in, clearly there's, there's some commonalities in all humans. And I like that. Now, you, you have a multi-step process here. Your, your tips um, come in the form of, of numbers. And the first up is improve your small talk. Right. I cannot stand small talk. Right. How, how does that help me? Um, well, I, I kind of flipped it on its head, right? Uh, I hate small talk, too, Good. right? Because I just feel like it's um, kind of obnoxious and useless. But I, I framed it as here's how small talk. Right. You approach someone with the goal of I'm going to learn absolutely everything possible about this person in 30 seconds. So, you know, I frame it as, oh, how's it? How's it hanging with you, sir? How are the kids? How is, you know, your financial situation? How is life really? You want to approach me with your casual, meaningless chit chat? No, no, we're not there. We're not going there. I'm going to I'm going to try to know you as a person. So then that way we can kind of cut through the surface level and actually move deeper and, and get to know each other as people. Right. Yeah. You, you say here, make it your mission to find out as much as possible about that person in 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you, you really do. It's like you're mowing them down with questions if you want to get it out in 30 seconds. Yep. Yeah, quick. But often. I mean, that's all it takes, because honestly, what I found with people is that generally they want to be known, mm. right? They want to be known and they want to talk about what they really know about or what they're really good at. And so if you take that approach and completely like remove yourself from the situation, you can get there in 30 seconds. That sounds like a real art form there, sir. Uh, number two, you say go deep in your relationships. Mm hmm. Tell me about that. That's a good one. Mm. Well, well, yeah, I, I found this out because, you know, in high school and growing up, there's such a, a click mentality, I think. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm beyond the stage where I'm going to complain about that or, or think about that too much. But you always had these people, right? You're Brittany, the cheerleader. You're Jake. Oh, hater. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. You're, uh, you're Jake, the quarterback, who by necessity or, or by definition, they are going to kind of be accepted by everyone just by who they are. Mm -hmm. You and I weren't those people, right? And, and I wasn't that person. So for me, it was, okay, you know, and I got acquainted with, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we know as humans that we need a sense of belonging, right? So for me, it was never going to be wide. I was never going to be the guy who made tons of friends. And I, ironically, I'm kind of getting that way now since I'm, you know, have the book and have the writing. I'm mm -hmm. in the industry a lot. But for me, you know, I would go all in on my closest friends. And even though I say that I, I have several friends now, I'm married and I 100% get most of my belonging, most of my feelings of love, most of my kind of those necessity check boxes from my wife, Kate, who is just completely, um, she's, she's my rock. It sounds cheesy, right? But she is <laughs> literally um, my rock. That's sweet to hear. You have a you have a chart, by the way, um, that I, I believe coincides with that in the article. Um, the the self self actualization, esteem, love and belonging, safety, and psychology. Yep. 
yeah and it's it's nice to it's nice to have that visual you know it's you, it's it looks like a food pyramid almost right um, and if there's one thing I can relate to it's consumption of food so you're you're <laughs> speaking my language I really appreciate that nice uh, but, yeah, no problem <laughs> but we continue uh, to number three um, or is it four I don't remember uh, I go, think three. Go, go deep in your relationships, number two. And then number three, what is that? Uh, actually, I don't have the post right in front oh. of me, so you're going to oh, I, have to refresh me. <laughs> it's, it's not bolded out. So um, you say, that isn't philosophy, it's math. And then you say, know what makes you get out of bed in the morning. Know right. what you can offer to the world. Um, and, then I, and then I see it jumping there. How strange. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so number three must be know yourself. Know yourself. Is that it? That's yeah, that's it. That's know it. know yourself. Tell me about that. How do you know yourself? What do you do? Well, you figure out, and, and I think I framed it in the post because I got you know anytime you you write on the internet, you kind of start to get these questions back. And one of these huge common things that I get is, Todd, I'm not good at anything. Todd, I I don't feel like I know what I'm on this earth for. And, and I get. It's sad to say I get a little tired of it because I, I keep explaining that every single person, right, is someone with experiences that no one else has, a set of DNA that no one else has, and a brain that nobody else on this has. And so you may not feel like you have a specific skill to offer the world or, or anything tangible. And, and I'm sure there are people in this audience right now that are thinking exactly that, right? How... I, I know myself and I'm crap, right? But that's the deal is everything you kind of need is almost already there, mm. right? Because y you get a sense of when, when you spend a lot of time by yourself or when you spend a lot of time not fitting in, there are a couple, there are a couple options you can go. You can become a raging narcissist mm. who hates everyone else is, and is super conceited, or you can become really self-aware and confident with what you offer to the world. And so now that you're aware of both of those options, pick the second one, pick the second one, right? And so you spend all this time by yourself, you really need to spend that kind of looking deeper and figuring out, you know, what do I have to offer the world that's different? And people can get confused because we're in a global world now, but what can I offer the world can also mean local. It can mean your neighbor. It can be a local coffee shop, right? So you, you have to think, both big and small. Definitely. So you you quote here Bill Gates, um, uh, and you you say you know he he didn't fit in. He he's now a billionaire. Right. Um, you also reference Mark Zuckerberg. You say he didn't fit in. Now he's ripping down walls to virtual reality. And Terry yep. Crews didn't fit in when he was painting pictures of his teammates in the locker room. Now he's one of the better known actors in the game. Yeah. A lot of people don't fit in. A lot of people don't fit in. And honestly, Terry Crews is my favorite example of those three, even though he's um, the least wealthy and the least well-known. Uh, maybe not the least well-known. But if if you've ever seen the Old Spice commercials with a humongous man yeah. down his pecs, that's that's Terry Crews, right? Yeah, he makes him, he makes him dance. He does. He yeah. makes him it's incredible. He's such a role model with the, with the way he does that. Um, but he, you know, he grew up, he was this huge, you know, African-American guy. And all the cultures pointing him towards sports, towards, you know, a career in football, which he had a little bit of. But mm -hmm. at the same time, he had the self-awareness to kind of go after this other side of his brain. I mean, he was in he was in art school. 
Terry Crews was in art school. Oh, wow. Um, so it's not like he was just this hulking dude and mm-hmm. then said, hmm, I'm going to try acting. No, this has always been part of his life. And, and the humility it takes to paint another 230-pound, all-muscle, 6'3 <laughs> guy and, mm-hmm. and like sit there with your brush and try to get the details of his face right. I can't even imagine like being at that level. But Terry Crews, he, he just knows himself so well. He knew what he could do for the world, and he's showing it now. Great example. Number four, you say, discovered the big secret. The big secret. If yeah, you tell you, people... Yeah, I was about to say, do you want to let the big secret out? I don't know if this is appropriate. (laughs) But go for it, please. Let us in. All right, so so the big secret, right? I spent a lot of time not fitting in. Hmm. I spent a lot of time just being on the cusp of people. You know, I, I grew up and I would be friends with the nerd, but also kind of acquaintances with the athletes. I was in choir and in golf. So I I had all these interests, but I never really clicked with a whole lot of people and and the reason that i think it was and and what i've learned why i think i can kind of boldly say this as a as a qualification for everybody is because i think the big secret is nobody feels like an adult Hmm. nobody feels like a grown person who has it all together and and to be honest with you what i found is that and, and honestly i think this is a reason the post has been so successful is that Nobody feels like they fit in. Nobody. Even the people you, and if you're watching this right now and you're in college and you know that guy, like the frat guy who has 87,000 friends on campus and he has parties all the time and he dates the, the best looking girls on the planet, I guarantee you that he goes home at night and wonders what his life is about and wonders kind of where he's going and, and where he's going to fit in. And so with that secret, we then have to turn around and say, ah, you know what the ultimate key to fitting in is? It's making everybody else feel like they fit in. Mm. And that's, that's what this whole framework is based around, like the small talk, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and that whole setup. That's the key to fitting in with as many people as possible is, is to realize that everybody's kind of on this planet solo in their own minds when things quiet down, when the notifications bing, 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 but they finally stop, you have to sit there and and that thing inside, you know that thing inside you that's like, I'm alone and sad and nobody loves me, it starts to, starts to kind of well up. I'm not being noticed. You know that thing, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, look at me. Yeah, yeah, And, and that's what we find, right, is that at the end of the day, we are all looking for someone to fit in with and if you can, be that person to either, and there are two sides of this, right? Because I realized that it may not always be me someone else is looking for. So one of the, one of the big practices I do is I'll connect my friends with other friends Mm. because I know, ah, they have this thing in common. They could use each other and, and bam, they're, they're that much closer to, uh, to finding a friend or finding someone that they fit in with. I love that. And, you know, you, you have all this, this sort of wealth of wisdom and, and <laughs> these things that, that you brought together just in this article alone. And I hear you're working on a book. That's correct. Yes, I have a book coming up called The Creative's Curse. And it was very, um, I guess it was very focused at first. But as I began to kind of explore this and the idea that a lot of people are creative now and, and you know, we look at the future of work and the future of 
technology and, and what's going to happen is that a lot of these things are going to be automated. We need people who can be creative, right? And there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that, thus the title, The Creative's Curse. But everybody kind of goes through, if you have creative potential, you go through kind of this framework of discovery, discipline, and then destiny. And you can go through all of those things. And there are challenges at each one. And the book kind of walk, walks you through that. And yeah, mm. I actually have a free preview up on my site, toddbryson.com slash CC free preview to kind of, uh, I guess, get tell you what you're getting into. I love that. I'm going to check it out myself. So toddbryson.com, best way to get a hold of you there? Yeah, you bet. Or on Twitter at Todd Bryson. Fantastic. I appreciate your time today. And thanks so much for joining us, Todd. Thank you so much, Wade. I appreciate it. Absolutely. There he goes. Todd Bryson in Arizona helping us out with all the ways that we don't fit in and maybe how to make others feel a little bit more like they do. I would love to share with you a little bit of nostalgia. It's a segment that we do here uh, that I know you'll love because uh, we love putting it together. It's time to take a walk down memory lane and recall much simpler time. Let's do it. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGI. Hello. Remember when Saturday morning was magic and TGIF still meant something? was a simpler time and today we remember together it's time for the millennial throwback it certainly is. Today, we jump back to a year when Internet Explorer 5 first debuted, MySpace signed on for the very first time, and the movie American Pie had only just begun its reign of terror as the first in what feels like a franchise of 60 movies of the same name, and they just keep getting worse. Let's relive some of the sights and sounds of 1999.
1999. Take me back, right? I don't want no scrubs. Get them out of here. Mm. I can't believe it, but that's our first show, and that does it for us this week. It's insane. Uh, I want to thank you for being a part of the broadcast, and uh, whether you've been watching us live streaming or listening online, I appreciate your support and the support of Universal Broadcasting Network for putting something like this on. If you'd like to connect with me, at WadeWire, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, go there, say hello, I'd love to meet you. And uh, until we meet again, remember, you matter and you make a difference. That's what the Millennial Report is all about. From the Sunset Gower Studios, bye! The party doesn't end here. Subscribe to the Millennial Report on YouTube for new videos every week. Just visit MillennialLive.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.